Good morning, church. All right, so I wanna do a couple things today. I wanna remove some obstacles and I wanna put some tools in your toolbox, okay? Wanna remove some obstacles, wanna put some tools in your toolbox. And I mostly wanna center that around getting rid of the weirdness around the idea of witnessing. I wanna remove some fear, I wanna just strip that off of you and I wanna empower you to go share your story. So to do that, I wanna start uh, in one of Jesus's last moments in his earthly ministry, right? He, he, had, he had preached for years. He had died on the cross, resurrected. That was amazing. He had then shown himself to the disciples and been teaching them. And they're there and they're on a mountain, right? It's kind of this pinnacle moment, pinnacle on the mountain. And, 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 and he's speaking to them and he doesn't waste it right? He's got this moment and everybody's listening. He's literally about to ascend into the clouds. Like this is it. This is this last little moment. And he doesn't waste it on like, hey guys, actually, I don't like mayonnaise on my sandwich. He, 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 he says something really amazing and it's for us. He says, and this is Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's there with the disciples. He said, guys, do you remember John? John baptized us with water? And they're like, yeah. And then he said there was one coming later that's gonna baptize in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we remember that. It's coming. He is coming soon. You're gonna receive the promise of the Father. And when you do, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This, guys, this is it. And then he ascends up into the clouds and, and he literally has just handed to them, guys, go build the kingdom. Wait here, receive the Holy Spirit, and when he has come upon you, you're gonna have power to be my witnesses. And, and that's, that's where we are, folks. We're still in that age where the Holy Spirit, he has come on us and he is empowering us to be his witnesses, not only in our local region, but, but a little further out and a little further out. So for these guys, it was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. For us, it's like Atlanta and Georgia and the whole US and, and around the entire world, this invitation of power is for us. And so I wanna remove some of the obstacles and I wanna give you some good tools for your toolbox. And, and to start with that, we need to kinda just clear up what am I talking about when I say witness and what am I not talking about? Let's just kinda clear up some words. Uh, so I want you to work with me here. Have you seen a TV show or movie where there was a court scene? Yeah. Okay, uh, if you've been there in person, I won't ask you to raise your hand. I hope it went very well. Right? But we know what a courtroom looks like. Right? We, we kind of understand. So there's the, the sort of the raised platform where the judge would sit and they've got the gavel. And, and to the left or right of the judge, there's a chair where the witness would come. And the witness would come and sit down. Do you promise to tell the truth? Yes, I promise to tell the truth. You know that seat, right? And then there's other furniture. So over here, there's the, there's the table where the prosecution is sitting and they are, are trying to convince everybody somebody is guilty. And over here, there's the defense team with the accused and they're sitting here, right? And they're trying to defend. So you know the room, okay. Which seat is yours? This one, okay? This is your seat. You're a witness. Let me be very clear. You're a witness, not the prosecution. Okay, you're a witness, not a prosecutor. Huge difference there. Uh, the, the prosecution has come to bring an accusation. And we understand that in spiritual things, there is an accuser, right? The accuser has many names. Among them would be Satan. He's not cool. We don't like him. You don't want to be on his team. 
Y'all with me? It is not your job to bring accusation. It's your job to bring a witness, to tell the story. You're a witness. You're also not the whole defense team. And I think if there's an obstacle in the way of witnessing, I think sometimes we think we got to solve the whole thing. And can I just take that off of you? That's not your job. It's not your job, right? Your job is to give a faithful witness. Your job is not to convince everybody and their second cousin that you're right. That's way too heavy. Put it down. Put it down. It's too heavy for you. A witness is someone who has seen or heard or experienced something. You don't have to study to be a witness. You don't need a law degree to be a witness. You don't need a seminary degree to be a witness. A witness is just somebody who has some knowledge because they saw a thing or two. And it's available literally to anyone. So in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, John, the apostle John, you know, the fisherman who left his boat, followed Jesus, later sitting by Jesus there at the Last Supper, John, he writes to us and he says this, we declare to you what we have seen and heard. That's a witness, isn't it? That's it, like that's it. They declare what they've seen or heard that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. If there was like a, a punchline to this whole message, would you go do this? Would you go do this? Would you just declare what you've seen and heard so that people can have fellowship with us and with the Father? And with Jesus? Like, it'd be just like, come into the family. Here's what I've seen and heard, come join us. That, that's all we're really asking, right? That, that's all we're really doing is to share what we've seen or heard. And you don't have to study for that. All right, so once upon a time, I'm like a nine or 10 year old boy. I'm on vacation with my parents. We're at Myrtle Beach. I'm helping mom fuel up the Ford Taurus. We're at the gas station. Come on, right? And, and we're there at the gas station. And, and, and as I'm there fueling up the Taurus, uh, over there at the, at the convenience store, part of the gas station, there's a disturbance. And so, you know, we all look and, and there's, there's noise and there's shouting and people coming out and, and like, and suddenly a gun is drawn and shots are fired. And I'm just watching the whole thing as a very scared little 10 year old. Later on, mom's telling the police what we saw, right? Because we're a witness. And the policeman understanding the true nature of being a witness turns to me, a nine or 10 year old and says, how many shots were fired? And I said, two. Did you see where they hit? No. Because you know, as a nine or 10 year old, I'm actually qualified to be a witness, right? Like I'm qualified, which is, which is honestly why our children are learning about being witnesses right here. Because like they're qualified. What'd you see? What'd you experience? That is what we are called to do. And so I could testify to how many shots were fired. There's two, there's a loud bang. Like, like I know what that is, right? But there was a car blocking my view. I don't know where it went. We're gonna get back to that because it's a lot of power in being able to say, I don't know. We'll come back to that one. All right, so you may or may not know this, but um, I, for several years, was a, a school teacher. I was teaching Bible in a Christian high school. And one day in class, we're teaching about Jesus and I'm teaching about Jesus being a healer. And it dawns on me that one of my students, Sarah, 
has a broken ankle. And we're like talking about the Bible and Jesus is a healer. She has a broken ankle and my brain went click, right? I was like, hey, you know, I'm just thinking, like I'm talking about Jesus the healer and Sarah, I see you're on crutches. Like, hey, let's, let's pray for Sarah. My class looked at me like I was from Mars. I was like, no, let's pray for Sarah. And they're like, really? Like, no, really, like she, she's got, she's on crutches. Like Jesus is a healer thing, you know? And they're like, mm, okay. I was like, everybody please stand up and walk over. And like, I made them do it. And at some point I was like, student, pray. And she's like, okay, dear God, please heal Sarah's ankle. Thank you, amen. That was the prayer. It was, it was gloriously powerful. <laughs> what I didn't know is that as the bell rang the, the end of that class, about 3 p.m., Sarah had an appointment at the orthopedic surgeon at four. And somewhere between that really awkward prayer in class and her appointment at four, something changed. When she got there, all the swelling was gone and all the bruising was gone and all the pain was gone. And the x-ray they took there at that office didn't match the one from the weekend at the emergency room. So as you can imagine, the next morning at school was quite interesting. So I get to school just in ignorance, right? I have no idea what's going on. And students are rushing up and they're like, Mr. Ramon, Mr. Ramon, have you seen Sarah? Do you know what's going on? I go, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? They're like, her ankle's better. And I was like, really? They're like, yeah. And I was like, well, that's great. Right? I don't know what all's going on. I don't, I don't know all the details. And at some point I see Sarah and I was like, um, it's not just stories in a book anymore, is it? You see, the power of witness is that it transforms theory to practice. It's not just stories in a book, it's reality. And for Sarah, this was mind-blowing. But there was an interesting thing that played out that I realized was a risk, and I wanna, I wanna kinda offer it to you as something to avoid. When they first said Sarah's better, I didn't know God had done something. And so here's, here's, here's my kind of free advice for you. Don't hide your light. When do God does something cool, give him credit. And don't just give him credit to your Christian friends and then kind of like not mention it to your non-Christian friends. Give him credit. See, it's possible that Sarah goes, yeah, my ankle got better. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Because ankles, like they do get better, not usually in an hour, yeah. Right? Like they do get better and she could have said it in such a way that it didn't really give testimony to the full reality. And so, so my advice to you is don't hide your light. When you meet with God in the morning and you're having a great day because God showed up in your quiet time and somebody's like, wow, you look like you're having a great day. Tell them it's because God met you in your quiet time. Or just be honest about what God's doing because he gives comfort and he, and he shows up and he heals and he does cool, like just give him, don't hide it. Behave the same with your Christian friends and non-Christian friends, give God credit. Because in Sarah's case, she had a story to tell and she needs to tell it. That said, though it is super fun for me to tell Sarah's story, it's actually more powerful when Sarah tells it. And so I, I just wanna kind of give you a piece here, just keep it personal. What have you experienced? Right, a, a witness is an expert about their own experience. What have you experienced? If you've encountered God's comfort, tell somebody a story about God's comfort. If you've encountered God's healing, tell somebody your story about 
God's healing. If the Holy Spirit is showing up, tell him, he's amazing. Here's what he said to me, right? Keep it personal because that's where your power lies is when it's your story because you're actually a better expert on your life than I am, right? So tell your story. One of the stories that, that shows up, a great, a great testimony story in the scriptures is in John chapter nine. Let me kind of give you the, the, the things. Here's what's going down in John chapter nine. There's a guy that was born blind. He's now in his 40s, so he's been blind for a while. It's his whole life. It's all he knows, right? And they, they bump into him and he's blind and, and Jesus does this amazing thing where he, he kneels down and he makes some mud and he puts the mud on the guy's eyes. I actually wonder if he didn't like make new eyeballs, like, cause he's Jesus, right? I don't know how this works, but like puts the mud on his eyes, tells him to go wash. He goes to the pool, he washes. And as he's washing away the mud, he can see. Honestly, that could be the end of the story. And it's a great one, right? I mean, honestly, it's like, wow, Jesus can make blind people have been blind for their entire lives. See, that's amazing. But because of the context, it gets a little messy. See, the story went down on the Sabbath. And the religious leader's a little grumpy because if Jesus is a healer and he's doing healing, isn't that mean he's working on the Sabbath, right? And they start getting a little grumpy about their theology because you know, he's doing the work of his healing on the Sabbath. Now, just as an aside, just between, we're friends here, right? Jesus did not make the mud and put it in his eye. I go, man, whew, I'm exhausted. That's hard work doing that healing. Like, I don't think Jesus was tired, right? I mean, to be real honest. But, but it was trying to get stirred up into controversy. And they asked, the, the religious leaders asked the question to the guy, and then they asked his parents, and then they're talking to the guy again. And, and they're basically wanting to accuse Jesus of being a, a, a Sabbath breaker, a sinner. And so right in the middle of the story, this is kind of just this moment, John chapter nine, verse 25, where they're asking the man who was formerly blind, the sighted man, they ask him if he's a sinner. And this is his answer. He answers, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. And I... I don't know if he knew this was a wise thing to do or not, but I wanna, I wanna give him credit for wisdom because in the midst of this stirring attempt at making this really controversial, he brushes that aside and goes, I don't know about that, but I do know about this. And there's a really wise approach there. So I want a tool, I'm gonna hand it to you. You're gonna, we're gonna all say it back to each other. We're gonna put it in your toolbox, okay? Here's the tool. I don't know about all that. Say it with me. I don't know about all that. You need to know you are free to say, I don't know. Like put that one in your toolbox. Because when somebody comes and asks the big, complicated theological question and you're like, I'm not, just tell them you don't know. Because you're not the prosecutor and you're not the defense team, you're the Right, so you don't have to be that expert. I don't know about all that, but I was blind and now I see, right? Don't let a tough question pull you off your story. Put that in your toolbox. Y'all with me? Don't let a tough question pull you off your story because people will ask tough questions, 
And I think one of the big obstacles to us sharing our story is we're afraid they're gonna ask the question and we won't know the answer. Just take that fear, wad it up in a ball and throw it in the trash can. Because you're allowed to say, I don't know about all that. It's an honest answer, right? The, the reality is, is that if God is half as big and half as mysterious as we think he is, we don't understand everything. So just walk in that freedom, like you're good. You don't, you don't have to know all that. So once upon a time, I'm in college. I've been a Christian like two years. I get a new roommate. He's from Sweden. He doesn't know Jesus. Nobody has told me I'm not the whole defense team. I am zealously trying to share the gospel with him. I am after him. Like, I just so want him to know what I know. I want him to love Jesus. And I am just zealous and eager and probably annoying. And for months, I'm just relentlessly after my friend Andreas. And I get him to come with me to a men's retreat. I have no idea why he agrees to these things, right? But like he comes and we're at this men's retreat and the guest speaker's talking about sharing your story. Yes. And I'm so excited. And at some point I go to the guest speaker, I was like, hey, my roommate doesn't know Jesus. Would you talk to him? Like I'm trying everything to get Andreas in the kingdom. He's like, okay. So I get, the, I get him together and the guest speaker's like, so Andreas, like, what are you thinking? And Andreas says, listen to this humdinger, right? This is what Andreas says. He says, well, I'm just kind of trying to figure out the difference between propitiation and expitiation. Now, some of you, you have absolutely no idea what I just said, and don't worry about it. And some of you, you think you do know what I just said, and please don't worry about it. Nobody wants to have that discussion today, all right? But it's like this really nuanced sort of complicated theological question in exactly how does the blood of the atonement work? Um, I could give you the answer I gave in seminary, but I'm not sure I'm right. And there's some theologian that would argue with me anyway. Like it's complicated trying to understand the mystery of salvation. And he drops this question on us, right? And we all just kind of stood there and blinked because it's like, I don't know what to do with that. Nobody told me I'm allowed to say, I don't know about all that, right? I didn't know any better. But that guest speaker looks at him and says, John Davis, that's a really nuanced question. Is that really what's on your mind? And it gets kind of quiet. And Andreas says, well, no. I guess I just kind of feel like God's after me and I'm a little scared. And you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but like, that's holy ground. Right? Had we pursued the path of theological you know, exactness in the question, we might have missed holy ground. As he shared that he, he really was considering God's call and he was a little, he didn't know all, like, like we got to a place in the discussion that was actually better than all that. And about a month later, Andreas gives, gives his life to Jesus a few years later, he responds to the call that's on his life. He's a pastor in Norway now. Yes. So proud of him. So excited at what God's doing in his life. But I look at it and I realize, like, part of that's because that guest speaker didn't let the tough question pull him off the story. In fact, he kept it simple. Y'all, we need to keep it simple. Don't try to solve all the everything. Just keep it 
simple. Because as we do that, there's so much room for the Holy Spirit to move. And he's really good at calling people. He's really good at drawing people. He's really good at wooing people. And we want to leave that room out there. Right? We want to leave that room out there. So in John chapter 4, Jesus has gone into Samaria. There's a woman at the well. You probably know the story. But at some point he's talking and, 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 and he asks the woman, hey, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have one. And Jesus, so I don't know if you've ever had a word of knowledge. I would be really nervous if God gave me this one. But what Jesus says is, you're right in saying you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had four husbands and the man you live with now is not your own. Honestly, if that word of knowledge dropped into my mind, I would struggle with faith to share it. Cause like, whoo, we're treading. She, however, recognizing it for the truth it was, immediately goes, oh, I see you're a prophet. Like, wow, that's, that's pretty accurate. And then in a few minutes, she runs into town and, and she runs into town and says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He can't be the Messiah, can he? And, and to see this woman, she just does something really cool. She shares a little of her story. I just met a man who like knew stuff. Like that's her story. And then she just invites him, hey, come see. There is such a gift here when we just invite people, hey, come see. Come be a little curious about what is going on because this mysterious God who loves us so much is at work. And I just want you to kind of, Come take a look. And the reality is that she didn't try to solve other problems. She didn't try to answer every question. She didn't try to explain why she thought maybe it was the Messiah. She invited them to come see. And when they went to see, they figured out, sure enough, wow, yeah, we think you're right. There was an invitation and there was opportunity for them to respond. Now, I told you a little while ago about the girl, Sarah, who had the broken ankle, former student of mine. If we fast forward two years from her broken ankle, uh, we're on a trip, we're in South Africa, in Johannesburg, we've just done some work with a local church, and we're at the airport to go home, and Sarah is laying on the floor in tears with a migraine. Now, I've never had a migraine, but like I have the gift of obvious, and she's clearly in pain, right? Like, she's clearly in pain. She's in tears laying on the floor at the airport. And one of the other leaders comes over and says, like, hey, we should pray for Sarah. And I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't I think of that? And, and, we, and it was several of us gathered together, and Sarah very politely sits up while we pray for her, which I think was a beautiful gift on her behalf. And I pray, and somebody else prays, and the third person's praying. And while the third person's praying, an interesting thing happens where in my mind, I see a picture of her head, and I see a spot, right? Like one little spot. And kind of out of instinct, my hand's on her shoulder, and I like kind of put my finger where that spot was, just lightly, just kind of move my hand. So person's praying, says amen. Sarah's eyes pop open and she goes, who touched my head right here? And I'm like, I am so sorry. I hope that did not hurt. You know, and she's like, no, 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 no. The second your finger touched my head, my migraine left. And I was like, what? I'm so, uh, huh? And she's like, yeah, it's gone. And I was like, like, really? And I'm like, I don't know how that works. And you know what? I don't know how that works. I don't know how it works that that picture showed up in my mind. Mysterious, amazing. I sure don't know how, like, there's nothing here, folks. Like, I, I don't know how that works. But I look at that and I go, how amazing. Guys, how do you think it works that God could show me that and heal her? Like, how does God do that? 
And I just want to invite your curiosity. How does he do that? I don't know. What's he trying to say to Sarah? If we invite their curiosity, there's a chance that they'll process it. They'll think about it. If we try to solve all of their questions, we may actually kind of turn them away. So invite their curiosity, but don't dump the 12-volume set of every theology question and answer ever given with complete certainty and then keep talking long past any humanly possible attention span, blah, 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 blah. So for a while, I'm a school teacher, right? And we, we'd, had, we'd have students give presentations. And I would point out to them that, the, that Microsoft made a program called PowerPoint, not Power Paragraph, right? Because they would put up one of these and then read it verbatim, and it's a terrible presentation technique, right? All right, so let me, let me fix it for you. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Right? You're not the whole defense team. You're giving a witness. So give them something and let them crunch on it for a while. Like, let me give you an example. If you are here today or you're watching online and you've never really considered that God could supernaturally hear somebody, you are already done with my message. Because I have already given you more than you know how to process in a day. Right? You're already like, wait, What? And anything else I say is gonna be lost because you're still trying to comprehend. Wait a minute, what? Like, how are the x-rays different? You haven't even gotten to the migraine story yet. You're still, how are the x-rays different? Right? And to be fair to humans, we should give them time to think. Because it, it doesn't actually shift in just a second. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain this to all the people in Facebook world, but you don't actually convert Democrats into Republicans with a good meme. <laughs> and you don't actually convert, y'all with me? Like, it, it takes a lot more than that. And if you've never imagined a God who is loving and, and aware of your situation and, and cares about, if you've never imagined that, well, you've got a lot you need to think on. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit He's really good at helping you think it through and inviting you to consider what you've never considered. He's really good at helping you realize there may be truth that I've never encountered before and, and just expanding and inviting you. He's really good at that. And so don't overdo it. Keep it small. Give them a piece. Don't try to drop the whole load on them. They're not ready for all of it. Give them a piece. Tell them what God's doing right now. And then a few weeks from now when God does something cool, give them that little piece. But keep it small. Give them and the Holy Spirit time to work together. Because you don't have to do it all in a day. In fact, you probably can't. If you think about your own story, you did not move from lost as a goose to the amazing sanctified humans that you are today in a second. Right, there, there, was, there was time there as the Holy Spirit worked in your life. So we're gonna let him do that. All right, I wanna summarize. Don't hide your light. What God's doing, share it honestly, is what God is doing. 
Don't just share it with your Christian friends, but share it. It's a part of what you're experiencing. Don't let the tough questions pull you off your story. There are some hard ones out there, right? There's some hard ones. There's, there's some questions which you're gonna listen to and you're gonna go, I have no idea how to answer that. So be honest. I have no idea how to answer that. It's, it's a fair answer. It really is. And, and sometimes that hard question, it's just, it's just camouflage to the real story that's going on in their lives. And we don't wanna miss that chance. Definitely don't overdo it, right? Don't, don't, don't jump in guns blazing and try to do it all. Like just don't overdo it. Keep it a little bit simple, right? You definitely wanna keep it personal. You have authority in your story So tell your story. When you have an encounter with God, share the encounter with God, right? That's the place where you are in fact the expert witness who can give true testimony to what's going on. And and, and so stay there. Keep it simple. Keep it small. Little bite-sized pieces and some time with the Holy Spirit is gonna go really far. Don't, let sharing your story become impossibly complicated. It doesn't need to be. It's your story. And you're good at telling it. And you're equipped to tell it. Just as I, as a 10-year-old, could could very clearly say, yeah, there were two gunshots. No, I don't know where they went. You've got all of those skills and more. I think sometimes we're a little afraid to share our story. And that fear is something you're allowed to lay down. You're allowed to set that aside because not only are you the expert in your life who's allowed to tell your story, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's going to give you power to be his witnesses in Atlanta and in Georgia and in the U.S. and around the world. I wanna pray that over you. And after I pray that over you, I want you to go from here with full expectation that you're gonna go try it this week. Right, you're gonna go try it. You're gonna gonna look at your toolbox, you go, I got some new tools in here, and you're gonna pull one out and you're gonna try it. And and it doesn't need to be rocket surgery. Right, just reach into your toolbox, pull one out and try it. All right, let me pray. Jesus, thank you that you give us power to be your witnesses. Thank you, God, that you have given us encounters with you that we have seen, we have heard, we have experienced your goodness, your blessing, your healing, your comfort. And so Jesus, this week, would you give us courage and faith and power to be your witnesses to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to anyone that you put in front of us. Lord, would you help us to become experts at using these tools so that your glorious good news can go forth time and time again. Oh, Jesus, would you bless our story this week and empower it to draw people to you. Amen. Amen.